0: Hello, this is Pastor Nate Ward with Open Door Church, and I wanted to take a moment to welcome you to our podcast. It's my personal prayer that you would be encouraged and encountered by the Holy Spirit and challenged by His Word. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. I haven't been here in almost a year. I left in April of last year. Um, I still love the Lord, and I'm still doing good. So um, yeah, if any of you guys were worried, uh, I'm still alive. Um, But it's good to be back with you all. I had an amazing time with uh, Pastor Nate uh, up at uh, Men's Retreat, and had a blast up there, and uh, would love to catch up with all of you guys. But um, I would like to also get into the Word of God, so let's do that. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 5, um, I'm going to talk this morning, uh, just about pursuing Jesus, loving Jesus. And, um, you know, uh, when I came in this morning, I came in just to pray for service and, um, I just started singing a song when I came in. It was the, the it was just something the Lord put on my, my heart. I was just, uh, you know, that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to, I want to see you. And, um. I came in the sanctuary uh, just praying for the service. I just began to sing that song. And guys, I just really want to encourage you. God wants you to see him. God wants you to know him. Um, and um, and you can. You can see him. You can know him. You can have a relationship with him. And it can be deep and it can be personal. Um, and so in Genesis chapter 5, um, verses 21, it says, and Enoch, lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch's uh, life were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Um, And that's the only thing the Old Testament says about Enoch. Um, If you flip with me real quick, we're going to go over to Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verses 5, it says this, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What's crazy, if, if you look at this guy, all we really know about him is that he walked with the Lord, believed the Lord, and pleased the Lord. He walked with the Lord, he believed the Lord, and he pleased the Lord. We don't know what he did for a living. We don't know if he um, had any great accomplishments in his life. We don't know, um, really, really, we we know really nothing else about him. We don't know if he was a great father or not. Um we don't know uh who he married. Um we don't know uh whether he was good at sports, whether he played sports. But what mattered at the end of it all, what we're reading about is this man pleased God. He believed God and he pleased God. And church, I, I just I just want to say sometimes I think. We get really worried about the wrong things. We get really concerned about the wrong things. We waste so much of our time worried about, well, what am I going to do for a living? You know how? You know when? When am I going to serve God? You know how am I going to serve God? Who am I going to marry, Ari? Uh, how? How's life going to work out? You know? What, you know what job? Am I, how am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to do all of these things? And we spend so much time worrying about all of these things and about what we're going to do or how we're going to do it, and we never become the person God wants us to be. Does that make sense? We don't know what Enoch did. In fact. Quite probably, he was a failure in probably every area of his life, except for walking with God. The reason why I say that is because if you look at the majority of characters in the Bible, according to human standards, they were absolute failures. You take Moses, he leaves the kingdom of, of Egypt, and then he goes out into a wilderness for 40 years and ten sheep. That's what he does with his life, and then after that, he decides to lead a, a slave nation out of Egypt. But you look at his life at forty years in the wilderness and be like, "Wow, this guy, this guy's really lame. This guy, he missed it. He had all the education of Egypt. He had, he had the power of the pharaoh, and he did nothing with it. What a what a failure!" Or you look at, it's uh, you look at Jesus even, and this guy, he he only lives thirty. Years he makes twelve disciples, which, by the way, all forsake him and leave him. Um, and, and he dies at thirty, single, right? Um, a lot of the people. You look at Abraham. God's like, "Hey, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. I'm gonna give you promised land. It's gonna be great." The Dude's walking around at a hundred. Then I got a kid. <laughs> Like, his promise is still on its way. He dies with one with 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 Isaac, right? And and so many characters in Scripture, people w- would look at them and just be like, I don't know if I would consider that a success, you know, um, because they were living for eternity. They weren't living for the here and now. Well, what are you living for? Does your life make sense in light of eternity? Or does it make sense in light of this present age? Paul said this. He said, if, if Jesus isn't who he said he is, I of all men should be the most pitied. My life makes absolutely no sense, is a complete, complete waste if Jesus isn't real. If there is not an eternity, my life was absolutely foolish is what Paul said. Is your life absolutely foolish? Is my life absolutely foolish? And I, I've been saying this for t- three years, but it, the Lord brings me back to this over and over and over again. If you took Jesus out of my life, if you took Him out, if if you took Jesus out of your life, would you still be good? Like, would you be like, "Man, my life's pretty good, though. Like, I'm I'm doing all right. Got got a job, you know." doing what I want to do, um, or would your life just be like, wow, you've wasted everything. You, 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 you have nothing. <laughs> when you believe God and you take him out his word, don't, don't go by the definition of success of this world and try to be a Christian, because you'll never make it. <laughs> because the way the world defines success is the opposite of the way God does. T- turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5 really quick. You all know this, but I, I just want to read it to you. Matthew 5. Jesus is talking to a great crowd. Verse 3, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for righteousness' sakes, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now now let's look at this, Num- n- number one um, in verse 3 there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would our world say that that's what a blessing is? Happy is the poor. <laughs> Happy is the person that realizes that they have absolutely nothing without Jesus. Oh that's not what the world says. It says, blessed are the, those that uh, make something of their life. Blessed are those that, that find financial security, who work really hard, they get a really good job, and they're able to provide security for, for, for their family and for themselves. Says, blessed, happy is the person that has that, not happy is the person that is poor in spirit. You see, there's, there's a big difference there. Let's go to the next one. It says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the people that are crying. What? That doesn't make any sense. Blessed are the people that are having fun. Blessed are the people that don't allow their emotions to mess up their lives because those are youthless things. Um, you know, it's let's the bigger, greater all the time, right? Blessed are those that mourn. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the people that when they can, um, when they When they could just step in and and take control of the situation and make things better for themselves. Blessed are the people that uh, pick up the cross instead and allow circumstances to happen to them that um, will actually cause pain. Um, Blessed are the meek. The meekness is strength under control. As I could fight for my own rights right now, but instead I'm going to say not my will, but yours be done. Blessed are the meek. That's not what the world says. Blessed are the achievers. Blessed are those that make it happen. You know, if, if you want to just break it down, it's God's will for you to be poor in spirit. It's God's will for you to mourn. It's God's will for you you to be meek. It's God's will for you to hunger and thirst. And that's what success looks like. And the world tells you the exact opposite. And your flesh tells you the exact opposite. And you need to kill that thing. And you need to tell it to shut up. Because it's keeping you from walking and pleasing the Lord. You know, um, I just was praying, just, Lord, I want to seek you. And I want to I help others seek you. And I feel like the Lord just highlighted some things to me that keep us from walking with Him like Enoch. And, and one of those things is is how we're defining success. And one of those things is living for the here and now instead of living with eternity values in view. One of those is allowing the the, the pressures of life to dictate what you consider success rather than the will of the Father um, to dictate what success is. And um, if you're out to look good in the sight of man, you'll never look good in the sight of God. And in fact, if you're afraid of being a failure in the sight of, of man, you'll never be a success in the eyes of God. God will allow that test to come to you a lot. There's a a lot of times in our lives where um, where going the way that Jesus is leading is not going to be the popular way. We're going the way that that Jesus is leading isn't going to be the fun way. And we're going the way that Jesus is leading is not going to be the way that man pleases um, or praises and or thinks is wisdom. David's anointed king, and he goes back to tending some sheep. That's foolish. Um, okay, back on track here. So th- we got that We have desire for success and and um that can mess us up when it comes to seeking God because those two things are very much opposed. Turn with me to Galatians. See, when, when I first heard this story about Enoch, I was pretty young. I was probably six or seven. I grew up in church, um, and I want you'll run into is like, man, I wish that was. I wish I could walk with God like that, but I can't because I'm not Enoch. Like he must have, you know, he must have had a special line. He must have, you know, he just must have been cool enough that, like, you know. Um, and thankfully, I, I I grew up in church and I had a mom that knew her Bible, and she told us all the time, listen, it does not matter who you are or who your mom is or who you came from, and God shows no favoritism, and it is about if you believe the gospel or not. It is about if you believe Jesus or not. It's about if you make him your Lord and your master, he will come into your life. It's not about who your mommy or your daddy is. It's about whether you believe Jesus or not. And a lot of times we can think about this Enoch. We think, "Oh, well, he had that great relationship with the Lord because he was an elect, or he was he was just special." Uh, he wasn't. He had that relationship with the Lord because he believed God. He he had that relationship. He didn't have good. His parents were Adam and Eve. <laughs> like if you want to get down to it, and his his forefathers they brought us all into sin. It says that, 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 that his fathers were wicked, and then his sons. If you, if you follow it down, it says shortly after that, uh, you have Noah. shows up, and God's like, there's no one righteous on this whole face of the earth. Like, I got to, you know, it's just Noah and seven others. He, he, he wasn't circumcised. It wasn't because of the things that he had done. And it was because he believed God. And one of the things that's going to keep you from seeing Jesus, one of the things that's going to keep you from pleasing Jesus, is if you think you have to have some special pedigree in order to actually seek him. And that's what the whole book of Galatians is going after. Paul is pretty ticked, actually, um, about this. So Galatians... Chapter, I believe it is 2, verses 6. It says this, But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. God shows personal favoritism to no man. And it goes on, and it talks about how the, the 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 apostle Peter, he believed in salvation through faith. He believed it was all because of who Jesus is, not because of who we are. are. but then he started playing the hypocrite. It it says when some Jews showed up from uh, Jerusalem that he started playing the hypocrite. He started playing, oh you know oh it's all about uh, you know being a Jew. That and Paul says that he rebukes him to his face. Um verse 14 but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel I said to Peter before them all if you being a Jew live in a manner or of Gentiles and not as the Jews why do you compel Gentiles to live as a Jew we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law or by the works of the law but for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if we, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It, um, for me, it, I, sorry, I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And um, you, you don't get to earn, you don't get to earn an audience with God. You don't get to, because um, you see the, the, the Pharisees do this a lot with Jesus, and they're like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're a, the descendants of Abraham. You know, we, we have an in with God. And, and Jesus rebukes them and says, if you were the sons of Abraham, you would believe me. But, in fact, you, you have the works of your father, the devil, because you don't believe me. It's, it's not about where you came from. And it's also not about what you can do. So, the two things that Paul really hits on in Galatians, and the two things that I've faced in my life and you're going to face in your life, is that a relationship with the Lord does not depend on where you came from and it does not depend on what you can do. It depends on whether you believe the gospel or not, it depends on whether you believe Jesus. So can you walk and talk with God like Enoch? And and, and again, a lot of times we're like, well, I, I you know, I don't know because like, you know, maybe he was just special. God shows personal favoritism to no man. Okay? And then maybe you think, well, maybe he just worked really hard. Maybe he just he never sinned, he never messed up, and that's that's why God. Did that. I want you to read with me Galatians 3. This is so powerful. Verses 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain if indeed it was vain? So, So what? Paul's saying is, you started off well. You believed the gospel. You believed that it, it didn't have to do wh- what your family was from, and you ha- you believed that it wasn't about what you did, but that by grace you were saved. That's how you started out. But now, now you're you're going backwards. You're trying to be like, okay, I, well, I got to do all of these things, things, and I have to obey the law in order to be justified I, by by um, to be justified in God's sight. And Paul says, who's bewitched you? That's strong language. Who's deceived you? Who's pulled the cloak over your head? Who's who's bringing you back? back Back under the law. In fact, it continues on. It says you've fallen from grace if you're trying to be justified by the works of the flesh. And um, Jesus, just help me say what you're saying. Church, you, you're never going to earn an audience with the Lord. And you don't need to. When you sinned and messed up, even back way back in the garden, it says that God went looking for them. He said, Adam, Adam, where are you? God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to redeem you. God wants to set you free. God wants to forgive you of your sins. God wants to take your sin and put it on His Son and make Him who knew no sin to be sin for you that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He willingly put His Son on the cross so He could willingly embrace you. You can walk with God and you can please Him, but you have to believe the gospel. You have to believe that God sought you out, not because of who you were and not because of what you had done. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the midst of Adam and Eve's mess up, God sought for them. God doesn't want you in his family because you've never messed up. God doesn't want you to walk and talk with him because you're perfect and you've done everything right. God doesn't want you because you've got a good reputation. God wants you because he created you and he loves you. He loves you. Turn with me to Isaiah 61. Do you believe the gospel? Are you beholding Christ? Do you believe the gospel? Are you beholding Christ? In Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable time, uh, explain the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to console those who are mourned in Zion, to give be- them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, because you were super cool, God decided to come for you. <laughs> because you did everything right, God decided. It's But it he came for you in your mess up and he came to do this for you. In um in Exodus chapter 3. And I'll just read it unless you want to turn there that's fine. Um but in Exodus 3 there's something that stuck out to me this last time I read through it that just it it, it really gripped me. In Exodus 3, verses 7, Moses has been in the wilderness for 40 years, the burning bush passage, and, and then the Lord is speaking to him through the fire, and he says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, so I, so I have come down to deliver them. Out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land. You jump ahead to verse 9, it says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with, with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Adam and Eve sin in the garden. They go against God. to rebel against him. They cover themselves up with um, fig leaves, which have big thorns on them. They're in pain. They're in shame. They're in suffering. They're hiding. And also, they're probably pretty ticked at each other because we, we see later on they're just throwing slugs. They're like, "Oh know it was her fault, you know. In a mess. And God comes looking for them. Children of Israel. In a mess, God comes looking for him. I um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that verse we love to quote. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Give you a hope and a future. And, and in that day, you will pray and seek my face. And if you seek my face with all of your heart, you will be found. By, I, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now that's after he told them, listen because of your wickedness because of your 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 junk and that you're not repenting you're going to spend 70 years years in captivity but I'm going to listen to you when you pray and when you seek me why is he going to listen because they believe that he will because they believe the gospel because they believe that God's good and that he's going to respond see Jeremiah is giving them a promise. Hey, you're going to be in captivity. There's, there's going to be some, some consequences for the actions here, but take heart. God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't thrown you away. Adam and Eve, you, he, he, he's calling your name. He didn't just quit on you, but he has a plan. And, and, and if you would trust him, if you seek him, he will be found by you, declares the Lord. But do you believe that he actually come near if you seek him? The, the reason I read the Exodus is uh, it's just, it, it just grips me because it says that God says, I see their pain. I hear their cries. I'm there. I'm involved with my people. Sometimes when we're going through stuff, we can feel like God's a million miles away and doesn't care. I want you to know that God's very much aware of your situation. And he is probably he he's grieved over it more than you are. I also want you to notice it's when they cry out to the Lord that it says that He comes down to save them. It says, I've heard their cry, I'm here, because they called, because they put their faith in me, I'm here. It's it's almost it's it's really a funny thing if you're looking at it, because God's talking to Moses. and He says, I've heard my people. I've, I've, I've seen their suffering and I've heard their cry. They're crying out to me and I've come to save them. It says, I've come down to deliver them. It's almost like, Moses, if you're not going to do it, I'll get someone else. But I'm already down here. I'm coming to deliver. And Moses is like, well, I can't, and I can't. And, and God's like, you can, you can, you can. But if, if Moses would have kept like excusing, God would have just Knock them out of the way because he came down to deliver his people. God responds when, when we cry out. He responds to us. He's not oblivious of us. Um, case in point, go to Psalms 3. I know I'm reading a lot of scripture, but you know what? I would rather you put your faith in God's word and not my word. So that's why I, I use a lot of scripture. Psalms 3 is incredible. Um, and the the important uh, thing to note in Psalms 3 is the little notation at the top of when it was written. Psalms 3, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Okay, so what you're about to read, David's writing when he's fleeing from Absalom, his son. This is what's happened in David's life so far. He's been anointed king. He's been faithful. Um, He he went and took care of the sheep, slew Goliath, served the Lord faithfully during the craziness of King Saul. God's like, this is a man after my own heart. And then uh, he gets prideful and complacent. He sleeps with Bathsheba kills Uriah, Aya, child dies, Aya, and all this while David has a hard heart. I mean, he, he had a hard heart the entire time um, that Bathsheba was pregnant because as he didn't repent of his sin until Nathan shows up after the child's born and rebukes him. So over a year, probably two, David's living in sin and completely okay with it. He's living in sin, and he's not repentant. Nathan shows up and is like, hey, dude, you're the man, right? We, we all remember that. And then David probably got some shame. David's probably living like, I've messed up. I was the man after God's own heart, and then I did this. Like, not only adultery, but murder. And then what has happened was um, his son Absalom grew up, and he didn't rebuke Absalom. He didn't correct Absalom because he was ashamed of his own misfortunes probably. And now Absalom's taking the kingdom from him, and he's running away. And this is what it says in Psalms chapter 3, verses 1. Lord, how they have increased to trouble me. Many are they who raise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. You ever feel like that's you? You ever feel like? There's no help for you in God. There may be help for Enoch in God. There may be help for Peter in God, but for you, you've messed up too bad. The voice of the enemy, the voice of our culture is going to consistently ask you that question. Is it consistently going to infer? There's no help for that man in God. And I want you to notice David's response to this question. And again, he's writing in the midst of pain. He's writing as his son is taking over the kingdom and he should have no basis. He should have no confidence to come before the Lord. But look what he does here. There is no help for him and God, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. My glory in the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me. E he, from his holy hill, I lay down and slept, and I awoke, and the Lord has sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O oh Lord, save me. O oh my God, for you have struck all of my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Here's David in a mess of a mess. And you know who he turns to? You know who he puts his trust in? God. Because of the goodness of God. That's why he trusts him. And in Psalms 51, when he's getting rebuked, he says, God, you can make me new. You can give me a clean heart. You can make me new. The, the faith of David in, in in this God, and not because of anything he's done, but because of everything God is. You can walk with God. You can please Him. But not if it's based off of your efforts. Not if it's based off of your track record. If if you're coming to God and you're trusting Him to meet you because of your good deeds or because of how you've lived your life, You are a stench in God's nostrils. And that is wickedness in one of the highest degrees. Because you're exalting yourself to be your own savior. And you're saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't good enough. That you have to add to it. And that you can actually earn God's favor by yourself and you can earn God's approval by yourself, and you can earn access into his nearness by yourself. That's wickedness. What are you allowing in your life to keep you from pleasing God? What are you allowing in your life? Thoughts, accusations, mindsets that are keeping you from pleasing God, from believing the gospel? Has Satan talked you into thinking that, well, I'm just, I'm just not one of his favorites. I'm just not elect. Has Satan talked you into that? Has Satan talked you into, I have to add, I have to be good enough, I have to, I have to do it. Has, has Satan talked you into that? Listen, you can start well and end bad. And you can be bad and end well. That's, that's why Paul's right in the book of Galatians. These guys started out well. They started out believing the gospel, and that's why they get to receive everything. And now they're trying to be perfected by their works. guys. The way you have to proceed in the Christian life is by looking to Jesus. He has to be your reason for living. He has to be the love of your life. He has to be the one that you're after. And if you lose sight of the cross and if you lose sight of Jesus and what he's done for you, you are going to try a million other ways to try to, to, to make life make sense. But the only way that it makes sense is in Jesus. And that doesn't mean that your life's going to be butterflies and rainbows that doesn't mean everything's going to go good for you. You look at Jesus' life. He he grows up in a family, doesn't like him. He grows up with close family members that don't understand him. His friends that reject him. He goes to a cross. He dies. And he, he rises again. And, and I s- sometimes I think we, we really like to buy into this lie of like, well, if I just love Jesus, then everything in my life's going to go all right, and I'm going to get everything that I want, and I'm also going to get to go to heaven at the end of it. And if that's if that's all you're living for, just to have a good life and get into heaven at the end of it, you're so missing it because eternal life is knowing Jesus. Internal, uh, eternal life is getting to know him and he's going to lead you through the the valley of the shadow of death. He's going to lead you through hard times. He he's going to lead you through times where life doesn't make sense. He's going to ask you to believe things that that are hard to believe. But he's he's worth it. And all of Hebrews 11 is all about faith, and that's how we please God. We please God through believing who He is, believing that He cares, believing that He's in the boat, believing that He responds when we seek Him. The way you're transformed is, is beholding Christ. It's looking at Jesus. And that's when you're changed from glory to glory to glory. And everything in this world is going to try to get your eyes off of him. On your own problems. On other people's problems. Just keep him the center of your life, church. You can know him. Believe believe the gospel, believe that God loves you. Um, In Luke eleven, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and and he's saying, you know, knock until the doors open, seek until you find. ask until you receive. And uh, he's he's talking about that in context of receiving the Holy Spirit. And um I just I just want to encourage you guys that God loves you and that you need to keep knocking and you need to keep seeking because God is going to move. God is going to answer and he's going to step in but it's based on you believing in him. Not on your track record and not on your works, but it's based on believing in Jesus, believing in the gospel. Last story that i that our, our talk about, and then, then I'm going to close. Um, but there's this lady, a Gentile lady, she comes up to Jesus and she says jesus you know uh, heal heal my daughter she's demon possessed and um jesus um he he doesn't listen to her at first and uh, and she keeps on asking he says jesus you know heal my daughter and and um uh, jesus says you know i i'm i wasn't sent um for you i, I you know i was i'm here for for God's people, and you're a Gentile. And this lady, and this is all in Matthew 15, but this lady says, yes, God, that's true. But even even the dogs could eat the crumbs from the table. And Jesus stops and goes to everybody. He says, look at this woman's great faith. Woman, your your daughter's completely healed. Um, And what's interesting with that story is that when she starts off she's almost it seems like she's pretending to be a jew she calls him jesus son of david she's trying to sneak in and then jesus is like no you're you're a gentile and she goes you're right but i believe in the goodness of god and i believe that you're a good god and you and you answer those that seek you and jesus says you're absolutely right may it be done Do you believe that he's good? Do you believe that he sees what you're going through? Do you believe that he cares about what you're going through? Do you believe that he wants to move in your life? Listen, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to set captives free. He came to set you free. He came to to bring comfort to those that mourn. He came to bring sight to the blind. God came for you. But you've got to believe the gospel. You've got to believe the good news. Um, If we can put some music on, Nate, that would be great. Um, church, I would love to pray with you today. And um, I just want to encourage you to seek Jesus. I want to encourage you to believe the gospel, believe the things that Jesus says about you. Believe that he wants to know you. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Our ministry is made possible entirely by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this message and would like to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, visit us online at www.opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give, see our service times, and stay connected with Open Door Church. We hope to see you soon.